Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Build Value by Choice. I'm your host, Nana Bonsu, President and CEO of Influence Horizons Incorporated. We offer a unique system and methodology that helps businesses stay competitive in any environment. Our products and services are designed to help business owners grow and scale the value of their businesses more efficiently while maintaining control of their operations. You may contact us at www.infhorizons.com to see how we might be able to help you by booking an appointment. Also, please don't forget to subscribe, share, leave a rating or review, and don't forget to leave us a comment on the show's Facebook community page, Your Value by Choice. Also, I have a free ebook gift uh, for listeners. Uh, you may just go to https colon slash slash uh, bit, B-I-T L-Y forward slash prioritize with a Z ebook one, one word dot com to download it for free. It will help you prioritize and scale your service business. Now on to today's topic, which is about mindset and uh, self-improvement. And my guest today to talk about it is Terry Tucker. Terry is the founder of Motivational Check. He's here to share his unique and positive bent regarding the concepts of mindset and self-improvement. As a former NCAA Division I basketball player, SWAT team hostage negotiator and cancer warrior for the past 10 years, which has included the amputation of his foot in 2018 and his leg in 2020, he focuses on the healthy aspects of being sick by concentrating on his four truths to help people lead their uncommon and extraordinary life. He's certainly an inspirational figure. He's released a book entitled Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles for Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. He's also been recently featured in Authority, Thrive Global, and Human Capital Leadership Magazines. You can find the site, Motivational Check at motivationalcheck.com. And the context of it is that with the American Psychological Association reporting that depression and anxiety have increased fourfold during the COVID pandemic, including the sharpest increases in males, young adults, and parents with children at home, his story is invaluable to helping people. Welcome to Build Value by Choice, Terry. Well, thanks for having me on, and I'm looking forward to talking with you. Wonderful. I want to, you know, I want to kind of, I'm going to be jumping around a bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, um, so as a SWAT team, as a former SWAT team hostage negotiator, what are some of the lessons you learned that you think will be applicable for business owners and how they may uh, help increase their sales? Uh, I, I think a couple of things that I learned um, as a negotiator. One of the things is the importance of trust in any kind of relationship, whether it's, you know, a hostage negotiator and a hostage taker, whether it's, you know, a boss or subordinate, whether it's a client, you know, or a salesperson, whatever that ends up being. And, and, and I say that because a lot of times when we were negotiating with people, people would say to us, hey, I'll come out, but you've got to promise me I'm not going to go to jail. And we would have to say, well, when you do come out, you are going to go to jail. But then we would try to deflect the conversation to something that was more positive and something that, you know, they could hang their hat on as opposed to, well, when I come out, I know I'm going to jail. But we never lied to people because there was a very good chance that a year from now or two years from now, we were possibly going to have to negotiate with that person again. And if they felt that we lied to them, we didn't have that trust and we would have to bring in another negotiator to, to handle that transaction. So that was one thing I learned. The other thing that I think is incredibly important that I learned is the importance of listening. And I'm sure, well, of course, listening is very important, but not listening to respond, not, you know, hurry up, Nana, say what you're going to say, because I want to get my two cents in there. No, what I'm talking about is listening to understand. 
And I don't think we do a very good job of that right now. You know, they always say the best salespeople are not the best talkers. They're the best listeners. You know, they, they want to understand what is being said by their, their client so that they can deliver or, or go above and beyond what, they, what their client wants and, and deliver a great product. And we did that as well. We had to look for things that were not necessarily what we were talking about. It was not uncommon in a negotiation to spend two hours kind of over here talking about something when the real problem was over here. And we had to develop that trust. We had to understand what those people were, were saying to us. And the, and the last thing I'll leave you with is this. In addition to understanding, listening to understand, we had to put an emotion to what they were saying to us. And we had to get that emotion right. And what I mean by that is, if you were furious, if you were yelling and screaming and pounding your fists and all that, and I said, Nana, you seem like you're a little upset. I totally missed that emotion. I mean, I had to literally say to the, hey, you're just pissed as hell right now, aren't you? Now I'm connecting with that person on the level that they need to be, which is why negotiating was so mentally exhausting because you had to get down in the weeds. You had to get down in the mud with these people. And it was very hard, very difficult. And you had to match that emotion with what they were saying to you. So in other words, kind of in a marriage a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know if you had like an acronym for it, but I was just thinking of once you started with a T and the L, I was expecting a C, but we ended up with an E. So, <laughs> so trust, learning and emotion, TLE. So, yeah. Okay, great. Um, what about, you know, from your security consulting business, what are some of the lessons learned that will be helpful to business owners? I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned in that, and that was my first foray into working um, for myself, was that I had to remain true to what I believed was in the best interest of one, myself, and two, the client. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I was working with a brand new school that had just opened up in California or was getting ready to open up in California. And I, and I always negotiated with the school to do whatever it was, whether it was to do actual physical assessment of their campus, write their policies and procedures, train their staff, whatever they wanted in, in terms of my services. And I, I had negotiated with the school and everything was going along fine. And then they said to me, hey, we want to change this agreement and we want to have you work for or be a client of our, our attorneys, basically, because we want to have that attorney-client privilege. And so we want you to do your report. It was a physical assessment of their campus. Give it to our attorneys. And then our attorneys will tell you what they want in that report and what they don't want in that report. And I had to say to them, uh, no, sorry, you know, if I say there's a problem on your campus and I give that to your attorneys and your attorneys tell me not to put that in there and then some incident happens because of that, then I'm going to be liable for that because, hey, that wasn't in your report. So I was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I, I am going to do what I feel is in the best interest of your school to protect you, your students, your teachers, you know, your staff. And if you want me to be a client of your attorneys, that's fine. But understand that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to take anything out of the report just because from a legal point of view, they think, oh, that's not good. You know, that wouldn't be good if something happened and it went to trial. I said, so I've got to do what I've got to do. It's your choice. If you want to terminate the agreement, we can do that. 
Or you can tell me that, you know what, I don't have to work with your attorneys. It's your choice. And so they ended up talking about it for a while and basically said, look, we need this. The parents want this. And so we're going to kind of take the attorneys out of the equation. We want you to work with just us one-on-one. So I had to be true to what I knew was right and what I felt was important. So I think that was probably one of the biggest lessons I learned that, you know, it it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about, you know, the the business. It was about your integrity, your credibility, your character. And and I didn't want to compromise that just because I wanted to make some money off the deal. That's that's such a, a wonderful and insightful kind of thing. Uh, on the one hand, they wanted to kind of protect themselves and transfer their risk to you, which is kind of you know, bizarre. And then uh, the other thing is that you want to have certain core values and certain core beliefs that you don't compromise, regardless of the incentives that have been kind of waved at you. It, um, you know, and can, I, can I just follow up on that? Because you, sure. you make a really good point with that. You know, a lot of times, especially in business, you know, we set goals. What are our goals for our business? What, are, what do we want to do? Even goals for our personal lives. But what we don't do first is we don't set our values. You know, what are our values? What are we willing to die for, so to speak? You know, what are we willing to give our life for? And if we don't set our values, then the goals can can be really squishy. You know, they they move around and, oh, well, yeah, it's a goal, but it's kind of a soft goal. And, you know, I don't really want to do that because I want to make money over here. If you know what your values are, if you know what you're willing to compromise on and what you're not willing to compromise on, then you tie your goals to something like values. Then all of a sudden, you know what? I know what my values are. I've, just, I've determined my goals based on my values. And as a result, those are much easier. I'm, I'm not saying goals are easy to, to do, but those goals are tied to something that actually you believe in your heart is important. So I think you make a really good point with what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, you got to set a foundation, right? And then, this, and then you know, the pivot, something happened in your life that changed the cause of, of your life. You got a, you know, a diagnosis. Um, that caused you to pivot, um, and that's causing you to focus on the healthy aspects of being sick. Can you tell us more about what your diagnosis was and how that completely changed the course of your of your journey? Yeah. So at, at the time uh, I developed cancer, I, I had my security consulting business, and I was also coaching girls high school basketball. So it was kind of nice. I could ramp up my business in the off season and you know kind of scale it back a little bit during the basketball season. And it was actually during the season and I had a callus break open on the bottom of my foot, right below my third toe. And initially I didn't think much of it because as a coach, you're on your feet a lot. But after a few weeks of it not healing, I went to see a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine, and he took an x-ray and he said, Terry, I think you have a little cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he did. And he showed it to me. It was just a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it, no dark splats, no blood, nothing that gave either one of us concern. But fortunately, or unfortunately, he sent it off to pathology to have it looked at. And then two weeks later, I received a call from him. And as I mentioned, he was a friend of mine. And the more difficulty he was having explaining what was going on, the more frightened I was becoming. Until finally, he just laid it out for me. He said, Tara, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen this form of cancer. You have an incredibly rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. 
And as a result, he recommended I go to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston to be treated. And as you mentioned, you know, I, I had my eventually had my left foot amputated in 2018. In 2020, I had an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle area that grew large enough that it fractured my tibia, my shin bone. And my only recourse right in the middle of the global pandemic that we are kind of still going through is the amputation of my left leg above the knee. And I also found out I had tumors in my lungs and I'm still being treated for those tumors now. So that's kind of been my my 10 year odyssey through cancer which I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And, and, and I've learned quite a few things that I think we're going to talk about here in a minute that's going to, that are going to help your listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you know, again, you know, obviously, you know, we're pulling for you, but that has caused you to focus on setting four truths, right? Because this basically kind of, it, it, it kind of clarifies or, you know, just gets you kind of stood up and say, look, time is of the essence, and if you're going to leave your mark or you're trying to leave the world a better place, you got to start doing things you know, now. So what are the four truths that you focus on teaching right now? And you know, maybe if you can elaborate on each of them, that would be great. Sure. So I, I call them my four truths. I mean, they're not mine. I don't, I don't own them. I don't have a copyright on them. I, I don't think you can own a truth, but there's something that they're basically what I consider the bedrock of my soul. They're just a, a good place to establish a foundation and I think build a quality life off of. And, and I'll give them to you right here. I am on a posted note here in my office. Yeah. They're one, one sentence each. Yeah. The first one is you need to control your mind or your mind is going to control you. you. You can't tell this from my voice or from looking at me, but when I'm six foot eight inches tall and I played basketball starting when I was nine years old and got a scholarship and played all the way through college. And when I was in high school, I had some knee surgeries. And I remember when I went back playing basketball after those knee surgeries, my brain was putting all kinds of negative thoughts into my mind. You know, things like, hey, you're a step slower because of these surgeries or coaches aren't going to be interested in recruiting you. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm still playing at an elite level and coaches are still reaching out about the possibility of playing for their college or university. I realized early on in my life that I had to change that narrative. I had to, you know, put something positive into my brain. And it's estimated that any given day, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts that pass through our mind, most of which we don't even pay attention to. But your mind can hold one thought at a time. Why would you want to make that a negative thought? So I learned very early on that I needed to control what was going on in my brain. So, so that's the first one. Control your mind or your mind is going to control you because your mind knows your fears. It knows your vulnerabilities and it knows your weaknesses and it will use those against you Anytime you want to do something that's uncomfortable or kind of outside of your comfort zone. So understand that you've got to control your mind, probably more so than your body. Bobby Knight, the basketball coach at Indiana University, when I was a kid, he used to have a saying that went like this, mental is to physical as four is to one. So here was this great coach teaching elite athletes to use their bodies to be great basketball players. But what he was really saying with that quote is that your mind or your mindset is four times more important than your body ever will be. So that's the first one. The second one, embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty 
to make you a stronger and more determined individual. So our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. So to the brain, the status quo, the way things are right now is comfortable and familiar and should just be left alone. The problem with that is the only way we're going to improve, the only way we're going to get better is if we step outside our comfort zones and we do things that make us uncomfortable. All of us are going to experience pain in our lives. And it doesn't have to be cancer pain or even any kind of an illness like what I'm dealing with. You know, it could be as simple as you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you don't get the promotion at work that you believe you deserve. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, suffering's optional. Suffering's what you do with that pain. Do you take it and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? Life is about choices, and we have to decide that we're going to use that pain. So what I suggest to people is this. Instead of running from pain, take that pain, flip it inside, burn it as fuel, use it as energy to make you a stronger and more determined individual. So that's number two. Number three is more of a legacy truth, and it's this. What you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. You know, I have friends who actually read the obituary page in the newspaper or online every day for two reasons. One, to keep themselves humble. And two, to remind themselves that one day somebody's going to be reading their obituary. When I found out I had these tumors in my lungs and I had my leg amputated, I went with my wife to the mortuary, to the cemetery and to the church, and I planned my funeral. And because I go on podcasts with people like you and talk about motivation, the need to keep moving forward, I actually got some brushback from people who suggested that somehow planning my funeral was in some way defeatist. I remember having to tell these people, it's like, hey, the last time I checked, we're all going to die. I don't think anybody's working on a cure for life right now. Every one of us is going to die, but not every one of us is really going to live. I heard a Native American Blackfoot proverb years ago that I absolutely love, and it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Don't get me wrong. I'm not looking to you know, hasten my demise in any way. But death isn't nearly as scary for me because I believed I found my purpose in life and I lived it. So that's number three. And number four is as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I think this is rather self-explanatory. But the way this works for me is this. Someday my pain is going to end. I mean, it may end through surgery. It may end through some type of new medication. Quite frankly, it may end when I die. But if I quit, if I give up, if I give in to pain, then pain will always be a part of my life. That's that's a, those are four very powerful truths. So what what motivated you? I guess what made you decide to start motivationalcheck.com? So motivational check was originally a blog, and people were saying to me, you know, you should, you should, you know, I, I do a lot of quotes and, and things like that. And like, well, people are like, you should, you should do something with that. You should, you should start a blog. And I was like, I'm old. I can barely turn my cell phone on in the morning. What do you mean start a blog? You know, I had no idea 
what I was, you know, talking about that. And literally when I started Motivational Check, it was four pages. And and Nana, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It took me four months to put those four pages together because I had no idea what I was doing. I'm sure my 26-year-old daughter could have done it in about 15 minutes, but literally it took me four months. But that was good because I was learning. I was doing something uh, purposeful in my eyes. And what I do every day is put up a thought for the day. And with that thought comes a question about maybe how you could apply that thought in your life. Um, I put up the Monday morning motivational message uh, every Monday, which is usually a video or a story. I have recommendations for books, for videos and things like that. And so it's really kind of grown from just being a thought for the day to something that's a little more applicable to helping people. You know, just if you're having a bad day, if you need a quick hit of inspiration or motivation, go to motivationalcheck.com, get that quick hit and then get on with your life. I realize people are busy. So it's not something you've got to spend a lot of time on every day. But I think what I put up every day is is beneficial for a lot of people. And so what would you what would be the motivational uh, quote for this week? Um, I'm trying to I, I just was looking at putting at putting this up. And I, and I like this quote because it's to me, it, it's. It's, it's written by a, a, an author called uh, W.E.B. DeBose, a, a prol prolific author, great guy. And here's what his quote was. Take the cold bath bravely. Make yourself do unpleasant things so as to gain the upper hand of your soul. I love that quote. I mean, it's doing those difficult things because you're, you know, kind of what we talk about all the time. We don't like doing difficult things. It's, you know, our brains are hardwired not to do difficult things. But if we do those difficult things, if we step outside our comfort zones, we don't just grow intellectually. We grow spiritually. We grow within our soul. And, and to me, that's one of the most important things. I had a nurse ask me recently what it was like to have my foot amputated and what it was like to have my leg amputated. And I told her, I said, you know, it's, it has not been easy. I'm still learning to walk again. And it's been two years since my leg's been amputated. But what I told her was cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind. It can't touch my heart and it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are, Nana. That's who your audience is. That, you, you know, we're our heart, our mind, our soul. This is just a vessel or a house you know, that houses who we really are. So don't get too caught up on your body. Spend more time on your heart, your mind, and your soul. That's absolutely powerful and inspirational. How do you control your thoughts so they don't control you? I, I think you have to realize, and people ask me that all the time, and it's like, you know, I, I'm kind of a, a negative thinker. I'm always seeing the glass is half empty. And, and what I tell people is it's like, okay, first of all, you, you understand that. You understand that your thoughts mostly are negative. And so you need to change those thoughts. Now, it's not going to be an overnight process. You have to realize, as I said, 60 to 70,000 thoughts pass through our minds every single day. That's a lot of thoughts. But if you think about it, when, you're, when these thoughts are going through and you recognize a negative thought, then concentrate on that. It's like, okay, wait a minute, this is negative. How do I turn this around to something positive that's something beneficial for me? Let me back up for a second. So the area in our brains, and, and, and I'm, I'm not a medical person, so I'm not even going to try to tell you what that area is, but the, the area in our brains that focuses on, like, if you want to practice, say, I'll, I'll use basketball for me 
If you want to practice free throws, you want to become a better free throw shooter, you can do one of two things. And a coach did this. He did this experiment. He took half of his team after practice, half of his team shot 50 extra free throws after practice. The other half of his team sat on the bench, closed their eyes, and saw themselves in their mind shooting those free throws. Now, at the end of the season, he wanted to see which group had a better free throw shooting percentage. And the group that never shot a free throw but saw it in their mind had a better free throw shooting percentage than the group that actually practiced it. But the area in your mind that lights up when you practice, say, free throws is the same area in your brain that lights up when you think about practicing free throws. So we all become what we think. So it's incredibly important for us to control our minds. And so, okay, negative thoughts come in. You realize that. You change that to a positive thought. Where people get caught up is like, I keep getting these negative thoughts. That's okay. It's okay to get them. Don't get upset with yourself. We all have negative thoughts in our brain. But over time, as you change those negative thoughts into something positive, your brain will start to realize, hey, I like like positive thoughts. I want more positive thoughts into my brain. So more positive things will come in there. And then over time, your brain will automatically start changing that negative stuff into something positive. And again, what area of your brain's lighting up when that happens? It's the same area as if you were physically practicing doing something. And one of the biggest challenges that people have, um, you know, in controlling your thoughts and, and emotions? I think part of it is we have so much going on upstairs. I mean, our brains are amazing, amazing vehicles, but they operate the same way as sort of our muscles do. So if you were to go to a gym and pick up a 10 pound weight and you did 10 arm curls, but you didn't find that movement to be difficult, then your bicep muscle is never going to grow. But if you take that same 10-pound weight and you do arm curls until exhaustion, until you can't do another one, then your muscle will eventually get stronger and grow. That same tactic works with our mind. If we do those difficult things, those things we don't want to do, then our brain will get stronger and we will be more resilient. I try to do this every day of my life, and I'll, I'll recommend this to your audience. Do one thing that makes you nervous, that scares you, that's uncomfortable, that is potentially embarrassing. It doesn't have to be a big deal. But if you do one thing every single day that that falls into that category, over time, when the big things in life hit us, and they hit all of us, you know, we lose somebody who's close to us, we get let go from our job, we find out we have some kind of a, a terminal or a chronic illness, you'll be much more resilient to handle those things than the people who, I just like it comfortable. Comfort doesn't do anything for us. Comfort doesn't allow us to grow. Comfort is common and ordinary. And common and ordinary people do nothing with their lives. Try to be uncommon and extraordinary. The one thing I wanted to kind of go back to was, I uh, couldn't help, but it just you know keeps coming back to me, is the whole basketball test. Because it just almost defies the, the whole deliberate practice thing, where it's like, okay, you got to practice, whether you, you know, you're a pianist or you know, an athlete, that you got to actually, the whole uh, motor skills, you know, the, the mind, uh, body, kind of mental 
collab, uh, coordination thing. So it's really kind of interesting that just visualizing actually brought success to, you know, to that um, group versus the control group that was sort of actually practicing the free throws. What was the what was the counterintuitive um, message from that um, test? Because I'm sure there are going to be some skeptics who are like, "There's no way. If it were that easy, I would just sit there and just not drive and just kind of you know use my mind to drive or something like that." Oh, I, I never said it was easy. Right. I, I, I absolutely never said it was easy. And you're right. You need to do those those. You need to practice. Don't get me wrong. Right. But if you think about it, when those players were sitting on the bench and they were shooting free throws in their head, they never missed. They never missed. I mean, nobody sits there and says, okay, I'm going to shoot a free throw. You're always going to make it you're, because you're thinking about it. Whereas when you're practicing, you're, yes, you're teaching your body, you know, to keep your elbow in and, you know, your, your wrist tucked and, and have that follow through and all that kind of stuff. Yes, you're, you're teaching your body how it should feel to do that. But your mind controls everything. Again, I go back to the Bobby Knight quote, mental is to physical as four is to one. So your mind is or your mindset is four times more important than your physical body is. So if you can spend more time thinking about shooting free throws or seeing yourself, you know, sweeping the ball through and then going that way, you know, you see that in your mind. That creates a synapse or a connection in your brain in the same area of your brain as if you actually were on the court doing it. So it's the exact same part of your brain that you're using. So I, I don't like I said, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, a medical personnel, but the, that's the same area of your brain you're using. So it makes sense if you think about it when you practice actually shooting free throws versus seeing yourself shooting free throws you're using the exact same part of your brain. How will remembering your four truths help business owners get through you know, tough times in your business? Yeah, we're, we're all going to have tough times, you know, and people, I did a podcast last week about failure, you know, and it's like, what do you mean failure? You want to talk about failure? Yeah, I want to talk about failure because failure, success is, the road to success is paved by failure and people don't want to fail. Nobody starts out, you know, to fail. But I remember a quote by Nelson Mandela, the former president of South Africa, who said, I never lose. I only learn or I win. And I love that quote because, I mean, if, if you take the four truths and you try to apply them in your life, there, you know, you're going to have to apply them. You can't just say, oh, the four truths, that's great. You have to actually do the work. You have to actually get down there and get dirty and, and do the things that need to be done for your business. But your mind is what controls everything. So if you go in this like, man, I, you know, I'm not going to be successful in this, or you know what, I don't have the skills to do this, or I'm not smart enough, or I don't know anything about this. I always say to young people, especially, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. So try to use the four truths in a positive way, understanding there's going to be setbacks, understanding that you might fail. You might not be successful in business. But again, I go back to that Nelson Mandela quote. Can you learn something from that? 
failure? Can you apply that to maybe starting another business or improving in your personal or professional life? Can you use that? So, I mean, people are like, oh, I failed. You know, I'm no good. You're only no good. You're only a loser. You know, you can lose on the scoreboard, but you're only a loser if you don't take personal responsibility for your own success and happiness. Okay, that's great. Uh, so last question, what is the key in your mind to a lasting legacy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one word, and, and that's, that's love. I, I, I think, you know, I, I, when I was growing up, there was a, a great basketball coach, and, I, and I'm sorry to use all these basketball analogies, but I talk about what I know, and basketball has been an important part of my life. But there was a coach at UCLA uh, in California, John Wooden, who had a I, I was kind of a disciple of Wooden. I, I couldn't wait to read his books and articles and listen to him on TV. And I remember one time I was sitting there and I literally had a pad and paper in my hand and I was writing down the things he was saying. And a, and a reporter asked him, well, coach, what do you think is the most important thing that you want your players to learn? And, you know, and, and I'm ready for some great X's and O's, you know, come on, coach, give me something good that I can write down here. And he said, love, love is the most important thing I want my players to learn. I want them to love themselves. I want them to love the people around them. I want them to love their jobs. I love, I want them, love is the most, most important thing that we can all do. And it's not something that especially guys or, you know, tough people want to talk about. We don't talk about love, but love is the most important thing that any of us have in our lives. It makes life worth living. It does. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for you know, sharing your inspirational story with us and some of the uh, you know, four truths that you have. Uh, how can people uh, follow you, get in contact with you, and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, I, uh, again, I'll go back to motivationalcheck.com. You can leave me a message there. I've just started a membership program. The book is called Sustainable Excellence, The Ten Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. I started a membership, uh, which is kind of a deep dive into the book. It's sustainableexcellencemembership.com. If you go there uh, and give me your email address, you can download a free copy of my book. Wonderful. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to download the free ebook and leave us a rating and a review on the whatever platform that you're listening to us on. And also don't forget to leave us a comment on the show's Facebook community page. Until next week, bye for now.